open your Bible back where we were last Sunday morning and make like you remember where we were last Sunday morning, Colossians chapter 1. But, like, you know, this is a tremendous little portion of Scripture. And uh, I, my, if you remember, my subject last Sunday morning was the solution to everything. That was my sermon title last Sunday morning. And I showed you in the Bible what I believe to be the solution to everything. Whatever you're going through in life, whatever we're going through in life, the solution, I think, is in Colossians chapter 1, the last part of verse 18, that in all things he, that is Jesus, that is God, may have the preeminence. And we, we built a whole morning sermon around that. Now, information-wise, I gave out some information last, last Sunday morning. I mean, you have to give out some information. The problem is you don't want to give out, you know, the real problem is if you've prepared well, you have more stuff to give out, number one, than you have time to give out. And number two, you have more stuff to give out than the people want to hear anyway. Could I have an amen to that? But if you didn't give any information, I don't know how it would make much sense. For example, last Sunday morning, I, I dealt with this word preeminence, what that literally means. It just means that God is to be first in everything. He's to have the top spot, if you remember that. Last Sunday, we worked over here in verse 10 about these three ways we can do that, talking about the word walk and talking about the three characteristics of fruit and, and then talking about getting to know God better and better. So some translations translate in that verse. So you do give out some information, but but if all we're going to do when we come to church or go to a connection group class is just get a bunch of information, well, the fact of the matter is we could stay at home and get on our internet and just get a bunch of information. Somewhere in there, there needs to be the Holy Spirit saying, okay, you, you have all this information, but like, what does that have to do with life? Now, that being said, if you look tonight at your little worship sheet, you see that my little title tonight is the most important thing about us. Talking about all in this room and all who are watching. Now, if I were talking to you one-on-one, -on -one, I would say, let me ask you a question. What do you consider to be the most important thing about you? Like, what is the most important thing about me? Well, if you'll just take your sheet, we'll just jump right into that and, and kind of get started. I think without question, our thoughts are the most important thing about us. What you think, and we'll develop that tonight and talk about how to work on that. And then as you begin to work on that, you think, well, you know, how can this, you know, work its way out and make a difference in life? Now, I heard yesterday and then I asked Dr. Gamble to call the church and, and, uh, and get the facts it, to see if what I'd heard was right. And I thought it was a great, it is a great illustration of how in a church setting, the pastor of the church I'm going to talk about, he preached on a subject, but then he did something with that that would transform the lives of the people. Now, what he did is very, very interesting. This is a huge church over in San Antonio. It has about four or 5,000 people in attendance. Okay. So it's a big old room. Well, he preached a sermon on purity, on purity. And in that sermon, he said to the people that were married, uh, you need to, in your marriage, there needs to be purity. And he dealt with that. Uh, he dealt with the people that are not married, that are having relationships outside of marriage. 
church. And he used the little phrase, you need to get it right, based on what he had preached in the Bible. He had given out the information. And then, here's the real kicker in this thing. He, he said, now, numbers of you are living with people that you're not married to. And some of you have been doing that for years and years and years. And he said, based on the information that I've given you this morning in the Bible, I want to challenge you to do it right. And here's what he said. Very interesting. He said, number one, assuming if you're living with somebody you're not married to, you either need to quit doing that or you need to get married, but don't get married if you don't love each other. But assuming you love each other and you want to live together, you need to get married. And he said, so here's how we as a church are going to help you. He said, number one, we're going to offer free marriage counseling at the church on a Saturday. That was the first thing he said. He said, number two, assuming you love each other, the church will pay for your marriage license. Now, that's interesting. He said, number three, we're going to have, you've got to go through counseling first. Then we're going to give you the money for your marriage license. Then we're going to have a mass wedding. And you can invite as many as 20 people to come to your wedding. And we just got this, lots of folks get married in this one service, one ceremony. And then, this was very interesting, he said, we're going to give you, each couple, $500 to go on a honeymoon. I really want to get that pastor on the phone and ask him where they were going for $500. Maybe they're just going to travel from San Antonio over here. But here, listen to this. He said, now, if you're serious about this, serious about getting things right, doing what the Bible says, they put an email up on the screen, said, you email and let us know that you're, you, you'll make this commitment. We're going to schedule you for the marriage counseling, and we'll then talk to you about this mass wedding. And as of yesterday, he just did this last Sunday, as of yesterday, that had 92 couples sign up, and they put a cap on it for 100 and 150 couples. Now, when I heard that, a person told me that yesterday morning, and I asked Dr. Gamble, I said, call the church and see if this deal is right. Well, it is right. I thought, you know, now there's a good example. What the pastor said is, we're going to put our money where our mouth is. And what he was really saying was, I'm, I'm reading what the Bible says about something, and now here we need to plug it into life. Now, we're going to do that in a very different way tonight. I want to talk to you tonight about what you think about, because I believe with all of our heart that our thoughts are the most important thing uh, in our lives. Now, turn with me in the book of Proverbs in chapter 27. That's where I want us to go. Proverbs chapter 27. And uh, I have no idea what translation you have. Uh, I'm reading from the New King James, and in a little bit I'm going to shift over to New Living Translation on, on a verse. But I want you to look with me in, in Proverbs, cha Proverbs chapter 23, excuse me, Proverbs chapter 23. Forgive me for directing you to the wrong chapter. Proverbs 23. I'm going to read a, a little verse, a part of a verse that you and I have heard endless times, and oftentimes we quote it. But if you look in Proverbs chapter 23, in the New King James, it says, for as he thinks in his heart, so is he. 
as a man thinketh, so is he. Now, different translations um, do a lot of different stuff with that verse, and we won't go into all that, but whatever translation you have, if you really want to understand the context of that, it's really the context of that little statement is, would, we, involves verses 6, 7, and 8. So let's look at that very quickly. It says, do not eat the bread of a miser, nor desire his delicacies. So that statement specifically is talking about a miser. Now you say, well, well, who is a miser? Well, a miser, the word that's translated miser, denotes a greedy person who, to be rich, number one, he hoards his riches. He's like an Ebenezer Scrooge, okay? All right, but not only that, he withholds much of what he could use to help the poor and the needy to increase his own wealth. That's all involved in being a miser. And then on top of that, and this is what these verses are talking about, he invites these poor people and these needy people to come eat with him, but his motive is not to give them food. His motive is to figure out what ways he could find out that he can like squeeze some money out of the poor and the needy people. So that's, that's the context. It's, do, do not eat the bread of a miser, nor desire his delicacies. For as he thinks, he refers to the miser, as he thinks in his heart, so is he. Eat and drink, he says to you, but his heart is not with you. Now, I, I concede that the little statement, as he thinks in his heart, so is he, is referring specifically to the miser. But the principle is a very biblically true principle as a person thinks like we are very much what we think and what put this on my heart and COVID has a lot to do with this and politics has a lot to do with it and January 6th has a lot to do with it and all the negativity we see this you know we see this group says the other group's wrong and that group says this group's wrong but I'm just saying what seems to be happening and has been in a in a really a greater way, we're just bombarded with all this stuff in our mind that if we're not careful, it just kind of throws us off track. Now, would, regardless of what sides you're on or anything, would you kind of agree that, that it seems like we're on super charge, tell us this, turn the TV on, turn the radio on, and, um, or just get around people? And it's just all these things, and COVID has really, I said to the staff in a meeting yesterday afternoon, I said to the staff, the ministers, I said, you know, I mean, I, 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 don't, I, I try to feel what they feel. They try to run their programs, and they try to do their things. And, and uh, I mean, like 19 Sundays, uh, we're out here preaching to empty pews. Nobody's in the building. The church is closed. And, I mean, like, for music people, that'd be a very difficult thing. And I just said, yes, I said, look, let's just kind of admit, at least I want you to understand, I understand, I think it's a true statement. COVID has kind of taken a toll. And it really has taken a toll. And now it looks like we're gearing up for what I hope won't be, but well could be, around two. And uh, like today, uh, children's Hospital today, right in downtown Houston, has children uh, already in ICU on the machines, 
And um, so it's not like something's not happening. Things, things are happening. And, you know, you, you can just talk forever about, you know, what's right and what's wrong. And, and I'm, I'm certainly not qualified to get into that. But I am qualified to say this. I'm worn out listening about it. I mean, that's just so. What do we do? And, and, you know, it's not the first thing like that. We've, we've had, I mean, I mean, we've had other things in all of our lives that have occupied our thinking. I think one of the things that's just different, we just have a 24-7 uh, cable news and network news. And, I mean, it's just, you know, many of us remember we didn't even have television. Now, don't go nodding like you'll be mid and you're old. But, like, I remember we watched the radio. Do any of you remember that? Yeah. If you watched a ball game, he'd say, turn your radio north and south. Your team's going south or north. You'd just you'd sit and watch the radio. Then we got the television. It wasn't on very long. And then I remember you like, had only three stations. And uh, they weren't on all day. You know, about 10 o'clock at night or 11, they played the national anthem and shut the thing off. Well, it just goes on all the time now. And it's just you know, this person's doing this and this person doing that. So, but, so I, I think what I'm going to do tonight is, is right, on, right on target because the fact of the matter is um, the most important thing about us is, is, what we, is what we think about. Like you might want to jot in your bulletin, we are what we think. And I, I believe that. We are what we think. But the encouraging thing is, I'm sure you're saying, I'm hoping you'd have something encouraging. Well, I'm about to get that. I, this is my conviction. You don't have to agree. You can say, no, we are what we eat. Well, I hope that's not right. Uh, I'd rather be, okay. We are what we think. People are what they think. And the reason it is true, because we do what we think. And you're proof of that. Like, you thought somewhere today, that you were going to come to church tonight and those watching, streaming, sometime today, you, the thought came to you tonight, I'm going, to, I'm going to watch the worship service at First Baptist Pasadena. Okay. Like you didn't just show up in the room and say, I, I, I don't need to think about if I'm going or not. No, you're already here. Now, if you think angry thoughts, you'll be angry. If you think negative thoughts, you'll be negative. If you think positive thoughts, you'll, you'll be more positive. Like we do what we think and we deal with this all, all the time. And the Bible is just filled with so many verses about our mind, M-I-N-D. Now, I want you, I want us to look at, we can do it. I want you to go back with me in the book of Isaiah. We're going to look at some verses and they'll shoot the text on the screen. So if you don't understand exactly, you can see it. But I want you to turn back to Isaiah chapter 26, verse 3. And I want us to just look real quickly at some verses that, and this is no exhaustive list, how much the Bible has to say about what we think. In Isaiah chapter 26, verse 3, it says, You will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on you, because he trusts in you. And there's the word mind, M-I-N-D, talking about what we think. That's a great, great verse. But go to Romans chapter 8. Turn over to the New Testament. Let's just, we can do this together real quickly. Romans chapter number 8, that great, famous chapter. But in Romans chapter number 8, look with me in verse 5. It says, For those who live according to the flesh 
look at this, set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death. To be spiritually minded is life and peace. Now you're in Romans. Turn over in chapter 12. Just be a page or two probably in your Bible. And look in verse number 2. Again, talking about our mind. It says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. See here, Bible's talking about if we want to make a life change, it, it, this is where it is. The battle's in the mind. That's so true. As a man thinketh, so is he. And, and the devil knows that. And anything he can do to put in our mind that would move us away from what God wants to do. He said, but here's how you're transformed by the renewing of the mind. Now turn on over a few more pages in the book of Ephesians in chapter number four. In Ephesians chapter number four. And I'm trying to get there too. Ephesians chapter 4 and look down in verse uh, 23. Ephesians 4, 23 says, be renewed in the spirit of your mind. There it is again, the importance of what we think. Uh, now turn over in Philippians. You'll just flip over a few pages. Turn over in Philippians chapter 2, verse 5. says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Turn over in the next book, Colossians, Colossians chapter 3. Look in verse 2. Set your mind on the things above, not on the things on the earth. Let's do one more. Go over in 2 Timothy in chapter 1. 2 Timothy, look with me in chapter 1 and look down in verse 7. It says, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Now, what I'm saying to you is this. As Christian people, and by and large, I would, that's probably who's going to show up here tonight, probably who's going to be watching tonight. As Christian people, we need to guard against what gets in our mind. Could I have an amen to that? But we need to take, we need to be proactive, and we need to put things in our mind that will cause us to think like God would have us think, do what God would have us do be a blessing in our own life, and in turn, be a blessing to others. Now, go back in the book of Genesis. I want to show you a Bible example of, of how thinking can mess you up. Look with me in Genesis chapter number 2. And uh, you know the story, but look down to verse 15. Uh, we're reading about the Garden of Eden. It says, Then the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to tend and keep it. And the Lord commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden you may eat freely, but of the tree of the fruit of knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat of it you shall surely die. Now that's what God said. Now let's watch how the mind messed up the whole deal. Turn over in chapter, uh, turn, turn with me in chapter 3, and let's look in verse 1. It says, Now the serpent, that's the devil, was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. Now, what did he do? Get a stick and make them do something? Did he twist their arm? No, no. He got in their mind. Watch this. And he said to the woman, Has God indeed said you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said you shall not eat of it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Then the serpent said to the woman, Oh, you will not surely die. For God knows that in the day you eat 
of it, your eyes will be opened, and you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw, see, that thing got in her mind. You, uh, you, you, do what you, you do what you think. She's looking at the fruit. She's listening to the voice of the devil. He's filled her mind. She saw the tree was good for food, uh, that it was pleasant to the eyes, and the tree desirable to make one wise. So she took of the fruit and ate, and she also gave to her husband with her, and he ate. It all started right here in the mind. And we live in a day and time where our mind is bombarded with things that are so contrary to what God would want to be in our mind. So what do we do? Say, well, is the solution just to, to, you know, to turn the TV off and uh, just isolate? No, here's a solution. Or here's, here's, here's help. <laughs> There's no 100%, but here's help. We have to do some, we have to put some stuff in our mind that will, that will help us. We have to be proactive. So now here we're going to have to do something. Like the folks in San Antonio, to, to get to $500 for the honeymoon and the marriage license paid and all that, they, they had to go through counseling. Okay, well, what I've learned, people, people would much rather come to church or go to a connection group and listen to the Bible be taught or preached and then just leave and it's just like disregard everything they've heard. Well, you know, it's kind of like this knee surgery. You know, the key to knee surgery, well, the key to me is to get the knee replaced. But once you do that, you have to do the therapy. And many of you have had replacement, knee replacement. And that's the key. But to do therapy, you have to do something. And by and large, our nature, not just about that, but about... Man is just, by and large, lazy. That's, that's just what I believe. That's just human nature. we rather just do it the easy way. Take the middle road rather than the high road. Make C's when we could make A's. Well, I think it's the same way when it comes, you know, comes to, to the Word of God. I mean, if you're going to have a quiet time, for example, you're going to have to get, if you're going to really have a consistent quiet time, there'll be some exceptions, but not many. You're going to have to get up early in the morning happy. If you say, well, I'll, I'll catch it when I get home tonight. Well, by and large, that won't work out very well. But it, it takes discipline to do anything. It takes discipline to be in uh, good health. It takes discipline to eat halfway right or much as you can. It takes discipline to exercise spiritually it's the very same thing and so we I thought the Wednesday night group might be the group to suggest what I'm going to suggest tonight uh, it's, it's important that we that we memorize Bible verses now I jotted down I'll have to I'll do it real quickly I just jotted down some reasons to memorize Bible verses let me just read them right quickly it fills your mind with the best thoughts ever recorded would you, you say amen to that? I mean, when the Bible speaks, God speaks. So if I memorize a Bible verse, I have memorized what God said. Number two, it makes the Bible portable. Like I don't always, many times have my Bible with me. But if I've memorized a Bible verse or some Bible verses, it's amazing when I need them, they seem to pop up and be there. And number three, they help you help other people. When they're going through things, I hit on this last Sunday, I'm, I'm like a, a person, you'd be going through something. 
and they'll tell somebody else about it, a friend, and the friend wants to help them. So a friend starts giving them their opinion. Well, it, look, they mean well. It'd be a whole lot better if they had a Bible verse that helped them. I mean, it's okay to give people your opinion, but really they don't give me their opinion. They like to tell their story. You know, I call those folks helping handers. You know, you tell somebody the problem you're going through. You know, I had, my cousin had that problem, and, you know, she wrestled with that and finally died. I hope you're going to do better. Well, now that, you'd be a whole lot better off to tell them what God has to say, okay? It's something, memorizing Bible verse is something you can do anywhere. You don't have to be in church to memorize a Bible verse. You can be anywhere and memorize a Bible verse. Uh, It maintains our mental equilibrium and spiritual vitality, and then I was reading in a study by some that specialize in depression that said, by and large, depression is the result of wrong thinking. Now, I know there can be chemical things and all that wrong, but by and large, when you, we all sometimes get kind of maybe not clinically depressed, but I mean, from time to time, we all get anxiety about things, and you can kind of get depressed about, well, what's happening? It's all happening up here. Our, we, we, we just, our, our thinking is not right. Our thinking is wrong. Now, that said, here's, here's what we can do. We can get our thinking right, and the way to get our thinking right is to memorize Bible verses. You have received that. Like I would say, if I had told you we're fixed to take up an extra offering, and if you don't give money, I'm going to shoot you. You say, you've got to be kidding. Memorize Bible verses. That's archaic. No, it'd be one of the best things you and I could do is memorize Bible verses. Many of you have done that and hadn't done it in a long time. Maybe, maybe you just never were into that much. Well, now listen, what really stirred me about this Now, I'm going to tell this on a Wednesday night. I wouldn't probably say this on Sunday because I feel like the Wednesday night group is more like family, and you would know my heart. I'd I'd hate for visitors to show up on Sunday and me tell what I'm about to tell. They don't really know my heart, and they they might get the wrong idea about that. But I'm just going to make a statement. My Dottie, she's my best homiletical assistant. You say, what do you mean? Uh, by that, what I mean is she, well, I could be all night on that, but what I want to zero in on, she, she, she mentions a lot of books to me. She reads, she, you know, she's always reading about seven or eight books at one time. And, it's, you know, she's a, and, and she thinks I need to read them all, okay. And she'll say you need, but like she's really, through the years, she has, Somehow or another, God has led her to some books that have really helped me. For example, Dr. R.T. Kendall's book entitled or titled Total Forgiveness, which apart from the Bible, I believe is the best book in the world on forgiving people. Well, her brother told her about the book. And then Dottie one day told me about the book. Um, I was thinking today, Dottie, about Dr. Dr. Ogilvy. You, know, you you you're what got us on Dr. Ogilvy. She stumbled on that one time. Said, "Have you ever read anything?" And I, I began to read these things. Now, here a few weeks ago, she came to me. Now, like I have plenty to do. I'm not looking for more to do. 
And she said, you need to read this book. This is really a good book. I said, well, what's the name of this book? She said, the name of this book is a hundred Bible verses that you need to memorize. And I thought, glory. And she said, maybe this is something you could do during your knee replacement time. You could be memorizing these Bible verses. Well, you know, I took the book and I didn't just jump in at the moment, but one day I picked this thing up and began to look at it. And I'll tell you what, first of all, um, the first 44 pages of the book are worth the book before it even gets into the, to the Bible verses. And, and then after those 44 pages in the book, uh, uh, the, the next 204 pages give 100 Bible verses. But the interesting thing about it, they have a page or two about each verse, which is very, very enlightening. And so, you know, I started doing this. And, and, and what I, where I'm going with this is, is I'm, going to, I'm going to challenge you to begin thinking about memorizing some maybe new Bible verses or remembering and kind of remembering some you have. Now, hopefully by next Wednesday night, we'll have these in the bookstore. They're going to cost $8. And I promise you, the first 44 pages, whether you use his 100 verses or not, the first 44 pages in this book, Dynamo. And one of the things he says in the book that really intrigued me, and uh, I, I think it's right, let me just quote. He said, uh, <laughs> he said uh, when, when, when we're young, we have good memorizers. I don't think I'd ever heard that word, memorizers. But then he said, when we're older, our memorizers slow down. But, y'all want some good news? According to him, our wisdomizers speed up. Because why? We know things we didn't know when we were younger. Now, I, I'd kind of have to agree with that. It's harder for me now to memorize than it was when I was a kid. But I do think I have more wisdom now than I did when I was a kid. I certainly don't have all I need. So, but here, here's the whole bottom line. And if we have these next Wednesday, and I'll tell you, you can go by the bookstore if you'd like to get one. But be that as it may, uh, I want to say to you that Whatever your age, you can memorize Bible verses, and it will be one of the most refreshing things you've ever done. Now, I've looked at his hundred verses, and I, I probably will choose, I'm not going to try to necessarily memorize his hundred, but he does have some verses, but I, I, I have others that I, and then I have some new, I need to be memorizing some additional verses. I think, I think kind of on Bible memory verses, I think I'm stuck. I've just, over the years, memorized a lot of Bible verses. But like, and some of them I have to go back and refresh myself. But like in the last, like this year, I don't know that I've memorized a lot of new verses this year. I maybe have memorized some. I don't know about you, but I'm going to challenge you to do that. And here's the deal. You can do it. Your, your memorizers can memorize Bible verses. Yes, they can. Now, our, you know, all this technology, like if, I'm not even sure I know my phone number. I just know what button to push for the thing to ring. We, we don't have to remember anything anymore. You just, everything's automated. But if we could fill our mind with more Bible verses, 
I think it would be one of the most refreshing things we've ever done. Now, here's what I'm going to ask you to do. Easy. I'm going to ask you to memorize one Bible verse before next Wednesday night. Would you do it? You say, I'm not sure. What's the verse? Well, I'm glad you asked. It's Genesis 1-1. The first verse in the Bible. The very first verse in the Bible. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Ten words. Now, let me tell you about those ten words. They are foundational to the 31,000 other verses in the Bible. If you'll just think through what that verse says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. That verse teaches us two things. Number one, God is. (laughs) Number two, it teaches us God creates. So you already know the verse. You say, yes, I do. I've memorized it. Y'all had it memorized before I came to church tonight. Okay, I've proved my point. If you can memorize one verse, if I can memorize one verse, I can memorize another verse. If I can memorize one, I can memorize another one. And if I can memorize another one, I can memorize another one. So, just lock that old verse down, and then... Hopefully next Wednesday night we'll have this book. You might want to go by and pick it up. But forget the book part. You don't have to get a book. You you might just first want to begin by going back and taking some of those verses that's helped you so much. And and commit those to memory, not trying to do it all at once. Think about this. I was I I, I got my I forgot my number, but it's 20-something weeks left in this year. And I thought, you know, I think it's less than 25. I thought, if, if we all just memorize one new Bible verse a week, we just memorize one tonight, well, by Christmas, by the end of the year, we'd know 23, 4, 5 verses. We would remember, and they'd be in our brain. And it would help us as all this other stuff tries to get in our brain that moves us in the wrong direction.